The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome once again to the Disability Law Show. Reaching out is simple. Want to get a hold of Savannah or uh, James or the crew? It is really, really easy. Phone number, first of all, write it down. Keep it 1-855-821-5900. The website is disabilityrights.ca. There is links there to past radio shows, TV show as well. And email help at disabilityrights.ca. There's some more uh, contact stuff we'll get through uh, throughout the show I want to give you, but I uh, don't want to overflow you right away so we'll we'll sit back with those and let you uh digest write those down and keep them and we'll get into the show a bunch of emails and questions coming up first i know uh as we do every show savannah you got a bunch of uh, things that have happened in the last couple weeks at the uh, at the office the week that was what's the uh what's the first matter you got coming on absolutely john so there's a ton of stuff going on and uh you know john the reason why we start off with the week that was is because people can relate to stories these are real right. life people that i'm dealing with occasionally i will change a few facts i'll never divulge the, the real name so you know don't be afraid out there that if you're emailing me i'm you know people are going to recognize you no i make sure to take great efforts to make sure that uh, uh you know we, we we get the point across but uh, but nobody's going to know who you are. So sure. let me start off uh, by telling you, uh, this is an interesting case. So about a week and a half ago, I get contacted, funny enough, when I'm you know at one of my kids' activities and I'm just mm-hmm. watching them do stuff, I get an email on my phone, and it's from a lady who had submitted a claim for uh, long-term disability back at the end of October of last year. Okay. And... She suffers from vertigo and a whole bunch of other things, and it just came on suddenly, and she literally can't do anything. She's bedridden. Uh, And she contacts me. Why, John? Not because she was denied long-term disability, but because the insurance company still, after all this time, has not made a decision. And she follows up with them, and they tell her, we're going to make a decision, we're going to make a decision. She sent them all the documentation. Nothing, nada, for months so, you know, usually we deal with cases where you've been denied unjustly. Well, let us have at it. We're going to force the insurance co- uh, uh, company to pay you. In this case, the insurance company hasn't even told her if she's approved or not. So I told her, you know what? I got. I was really aggravated by that email. I said, why don't we do this? Don't retain me. Let me see if I can help you here. Uh, and, of course, as soon as I said that, she asks what most people do, which is what is it going to cost me. My response right. was instantaneous. Nothing. I am so upset by the way the insurance company is treating you. I And I know people out there may think this is ludicrous. No, I do do this. I mean, you know, if I can force the insurance company to render a decision and it's favorable, you know, what did I do? Send an email or two? Yeah. You know, speak on the phone with this adjuster? I'm not going to charge anything for that. It's just this person needs help. That's why they reached out. So I get the information from her. I email this adjuster, not only the adjuster, I email the entire claims group at this insurance company who shall remain nameless. And uh, I get a response back saying, uh, you know, we will be speaking with her directly, which is fine because I'm not representing her. I'm just, you know, sort of poking the bear here. Long story short, within less than one week of me contacting the insurance company, This lady emails me, this person who had contacted me initially, she emails me saying, I just had a phone call with this adjuster. They've approved my claim. 
Wow, no kidding. And, and you know, John, I, I was extremely happy for her. This is fantastic. Unfortunately, I know how these things go. Probably within a year or two, she's going to get cut off. But, you know, hopefully she would not, or hopefully she'll go back to work. Hopefully whatever is, is ailing her, she, you know, is going to go away with treatments. But this just shows you how insurance companies operate. And I don't think, I'll be honest with you, John, I don't think that this insurance company did this on purpose. I just think there's such, you know, huge... Uh, uh, bureaucratic entities that sometimes yeah. people fall through the cracks, but these are people. This lady has no money coming in for months, not because the insurance company says you're not approved. Clearly, they've approved her just because you know nobody thought to look at her file. Mm-hmm. So this is an example of of how sometimes you know just by reaching out to us, we can give you valuable advice. I'm not saying in every instance I'll be able to do this. What I did here. But this was a stark example. Within less than one week, I mean, this is one of my records now. Within less than one week, I get the insurance company uh, to respond to this lady finally. And, and I'll be honest with you, John, I threatened uh, you know, a legal claim. Yeah. You know, I was very forceful in my email. And I think at the end of the day, remember, insurance companies are there to make a profit. They're not there to protect you. I don't care what those radio commercials and TV commercials say. Insurance companies don't really care about you. They're not your neighbor. They're not your friend. They are there to make money off of you. And one of the ways they make money off of you is by collecting premiums, whether you pay those premiums or your employer or your union, whoever it is, and keeping as much of that in their pockets. And one of the ways they do that is by not paying out. Uh, Now, again, sometimes it's intentional, sometimes it's not. So in this case, we were very successful within a very short period of time. But this just shows you be a squeaky wheel. Okay. If it doesn't work out, go to the manager. If that doesn't work out, go to the ombudsperson. Contact me. Contact someone on my team. Don't just let it go. Don't assume that everything is going to be okay because it's probably not going to be okay just by virtue of the way these insurance companies operate. It's amazing that uh, you know once you you got involved and it was so nice of you just to do that for how you know how things change right how things turn around so quickly. It's funny. Yeah, day and night. And again, yeah. John, I'm not talking about months, less than a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. but again, you know, the point is we had we had a, a, a positive result here uh, and, and and I'm very happy that she reached out and I'm I'm you know, even more happy that now she's going to have money coming in and she'll tell other people. You know, she'll spread the message that, you know, you can't just let these insurance companies do whatever they want to you. We're going to take a, a short break here. We've got lots to go, though, so stick around. Just getting uh, just getting warmed up. If you want to reach out, the email address is help at disabilityrights.ca. If you shorten that, just to disabilityrights.ca. That is the place to go for more information on the website, and you can catch the TV show, past episodes, and the radio show as well. There's more on there. Uh, number, always keep it toll-free, one 855 821-5900 and a great place to go as well where you can physically ask questions, type them in. There's also a drop-down menu. You can uh, search past questions. Maybe it's been asked and answered as well. MyDisabilityQuestions.com I know we read a lot of those out on the air when we get them. Your uh, name, of course, is protected. We just uh, read them for the content, so maybe you'll have one on here as well, so send it along. We'll continue here after a short break, the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. And back to the Disability Law Show. Lots to get uh, lots to get to here, so we'll get to it. Indeed, one 821 5900 and email is help at disabilityrights.ca. What else, uh, what else you got going on, Pal? I know you got tons to talk about today. 
Yeah, I want to talk about a, uh, another situation where I'm trying to help another lady right now. Uh, again, have not been retained yet. Um, mm -hmm. So you can see, John, I, I communicate with people all the time, and I don't necessarily tell them to immediately retain me. Again, right. maybe many lawyers do that. They want you to sign on the dotted line. I will tell you to sign if I really think that it's useful for you and you've exhausted other avenues. So in this particular instance, and I have to be very careful because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be quoting from someone here, um, but I want to make sure, that, and there's a reason why I'm going to be quoting, but I want to make sure that this person cannot be identified. So this lady is a unionized employee, and uh, we've talked about this before, you know, on Lior's show, from an employment standpoint, we cannot help unionized employees with their employment yep. issues. They have to go to their unions for that. Okay. Yep. But in the long-term disability context, we can actually help the vast majority of people who contact us. And what we do, other than looking at the denial letter and other than looking at the medical documents, we look at the, co the collective agreement. Yep. And there are some instances, and I can't go through everything, it would take us too long to go through this, where when I look at the collective agreement, I may see language that indicates that it was contemplated it was assumed that if there is a long-term disability dispute, that that dispute would be dealt with by the union, not by an external lawyer like myself. Okay. But in other instances, that language is absent, or there's not enough of that language, right. in which case we take the position that, hold on for a second, the union deals with the employment issues, but we as external lawyers, meaning lawyers that are not part of the union, we can deal with the person's long-term disability dispute with their insurance company. So this lady has this issue, and uh, again, she's denied a, a long time ago, and she goes to her union, and she goes to the rep uh, that she's in contact with, and the rep says to her, I think we should appeal your decision. Of course, this is the worst thing that she can do. She should not be appealing uh, a, an LTD denial. We've talked about this endlessly. And I had looked, she had contacted us, and I had looked at the collective agreement, and I've determined that we can actually help her. So, but I said to her, listen, you're already gone with your union. I mean, they haven't filed a grievance, but they, they've tried to appeal for you. Now, the appeal decision is pending. We don't know what the insurance company's decision is. What we do know is that the insurance company, much like the other lady I spoke about at the beginning of the show, this insurance company is taking their time rendering a decision on this right. appeal. Okay. And of course, this lady, again, has no money coming in. She doesn't know what to do. She's very frustrated. She has overwhelming medical documents that say that she's disabled from working. And the union rep is saying, oh, well, just be patient. Just be patient. Well, no, she should not just be patient when you have a ton yeah. of time that passes. This is not a difficult thing for the insurance company to determine. It should not take months and months for them to render a decision on appeal when you're not talking about reviewing endless amount of documents. You're looking at, you know, looking at a few medical reports that have been submitted. The insurance company can provide that decision fairly quickly, but they're not. So she's asking me what to do. I said, well, here's what I think you may want to do. Contact the adjuster that's dealing with your claim at the insurance company and give the adjuster a deadline. Don't tell them that they have to give you a decision by tomorrow, but tell them you want a decision within two weeks. Give them a specific date. And tell them that if they don't provide you with a decision, or if the decision is negative, then you may take legal action. You may yeah. start a legal claim. Sure. Okay? Very simple. I didn't even, you know, I, I didn't say anything else. I just said, this is just what's going to happen. So give me a decision. So she does that. Fantastic. 
by the way, still don't have a decision yet. This just happened this past week. But what she right. does, and this is, this is where I'm getting to, what this lady does is she informs the union rep that she was dealing with about what I told her to do and what she did with this adjuster. And now I'm going to quote you one of the lines from the emails from this union rep. Okay. Here's what she writes. She says, I can assure you that providing a deadline, especially in such a manner, is not necessary or desired. Outlining, th- outlining threats of legal action does not speed up the review process. We want them to thoroughly read the medical information provided about you prior to coming to a decision. John, when I read that, I saw red. Listen, this union rep is entitled to say anything she wants. She's entitled to say that the sun is blue. She's entitled to say that, you know, there are no cars on the road in the middle of Manhattan, you know, <laughs> on a midday. She can do whatever the hell she wants. It doesn't matter to me. But why is she talking nonsense? Why is she advising this individual that deadlines are not important and, you know, threats of legal action don't speed up the process? What a bunch of baloney and nonsense. This union rep is doing a disservice to this individual. Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm mentioning this is because, look, in some instances, if you're a unionized employee, I can't help you if the collective agreement does not allow me to help you with your disability claim. Right. But in cases where an external disability lawyer like myself, my team members, that we can help, you should absolutely not go with your union. They have no expertise in disability matters. They are experts in employment matters. That's their bread and butter. That's what they do. Okay? I'm not going to go to my family doctor if I need heart surgery. It's the same thing here. So you know, I'm glad that this lady, this individual who is now waiting for the decision from the, uh, the insurance company, this claimant, that she reached out to me and I was able to give her advice. And ultimately, I'm not going to press her to do anything. But I'm speaking now to everyone out there who is listening. Don't listen to union reps who tell you that insurance companies don't need pressure to make decisions. It's bull. Of course they need pressure. Because if they don't have pressure on them, if they're not concerned that there's going to be some kind of a legal claim down the road, they're not going to move their butts. They're going to take their time. And while they take their time, you have no money coming in. You suffer and your family suffers. So, you know, word to the wise, check with us. And we may tell you, you have to go with your union, and then I'm sorry. That's just the way it is. But in that instance, this lady is going to have options open to her if the insurance company comes back. First of all, if the insurance company doesn't answer the, the uh, appeal, like if they just don't render a decision, or if they render a negative decision, we'll be able to help her. You know what this union rep would do? I, I bet you, John, if, wow. uh, you know, if, if the decision comes back negative, she's probably going to blame me and the advice that I gave this lady to pressure the insurance company. And you know what she would probably tell this lady to do? To appeal again and again yeah. and, again, and again. You know. Yeah. So unless you have expertise, please stay out of this business. This is not something you do. I don't give advice on family law. I don't give advice to people when you know, they have employment issues. I'm not an employment lawyer. Lior is. And this is the problem here, that people give advice sometimes when they have zero expertise in the area, and that hurts people. Just start with a phone call at least. Write the uh, the number down, one 821 5900 is where you go. Email is help at, help at disabilityrights.ca. Pardon me. The website is disabilityrights.ca as well, as I mentioned, and we'll continue to do so. You want to catch the TV show, uh, you can do that. Lots of good information on there in a 30-minute package, and more radio shows can be found there as well. You want to reach out, do so now. We'll get some of your emails. And questions as we continue the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. 
The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. There's also a televised version. You want to go to disabilityrights.ca to catch that as well. It's it's cool. If you've never seen it, sit back and give us uh, 30 minutes and uh, learn a lot more just like you do on this radio show. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Don't be uh, scratching your head because of the name. No, no. As we always mention, there is tons, as you say, of interplay between the employment side and the disability side of this uh, of these legal matters. And there's a section in the Pocket Employment Lawyer .ca website that deals with disability, correct? Absolutely. So yep. for anyone out there who has any employment issues or questions about their own situation or friends or family situation uh, and, and, you know, who may be disabled or injured, you know, you have a lot of people out there who've been injured or have become disabled because of an illness and now they're also having issues with their employment. So there is that interplay that you're talking about. And of course, at our firm, at all of the offices, we have offices in Toronto, in Ottawa, in Vancouver, uh, in all of these offices, uh, you know, we deal with individuals routinely who have issues with disability and with employment. So what we created then, a short while back, is a free tool, a website, Pocket mm -hmm. Employment Lawyer, where you can go and just input a few key pieces of information. In fact, all you're doing is selecting from options in uh, drop-down menus, um, and, and essentially you're telling the, the that program what's applicable to you, and then, again, this is within 20 seconds or so, you're getting an analysis of your case. You're getting an analysis or a starting point that tells you do you have a case or not? Right. If you have a case, what can you do about it? At that point, you can decide, do you want to contact us to get more of a one-on-one -on -one consultation? Or if you're good with that, and then you know, you just walk away and do whatever else you want to do. But the point is, people go routinely on Google to you know, diagnose their medical problems and, of mm. course, legal problems. But just like with the medicine, you're often going to get the wrong information or information that's not applicable to you. You know, and not to mention the fact that there are a lot of lawyers out there and legal resources that just don't give you the correct information. Yeah. So this is why we created this. And again, it's free. It's anonymous. You can choose to contact us afterwards uh, or, or not. And John, it's been used so much now across the country, not just in BC and Ontario where we work, but across the country in almost every province in this country, people have been using this. And, and, you know, we've gotten a lot of praise as well from many, many lawyers in the field who basically say to us, you know, it's too bad that, that you know, we didn't think of that because yeah. it's such a cool mm -hmm. idea, you know, to give people this information. Th by the way, this is information that traditionally lawyers would charge you hundreds of dollars through a consultation to give you. And the reason we're giving this out is because, well, I guess it's the same logic as why we're doing these shows, these TV shows and radio shows, to give you this information, to arm you with the information you need to figure out if you have a case or not. Again, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the way to go. Yeah, it's absolutely free. And if you just want to check it out and move on, shut down the browser and uh, you were never there. We don't know. Other than that, you can go to the top right. There's a contact us button, a yellow button at the top, and you can, uh, you can carry on from there. Okay, next matter. What do you got going on, pal? John, I'm going to talk to you now about a case uh, that actually was tried and gone all the way to court in, uh, in BC. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, the law in BC and Ontario is fairly similar. And so when we have a case coming out of, you know, the courthouses in Ontario, we apply to our cases in BC and vice versa. So 
Um, this is a case called Greg, G-R-E-I-G, versus Desjardins Financial Security. So that's the insurance company. Greg okay. versus Desjardins. For anybody out there who's interested, you can literally type this on Google and you'll find out, uh, oh, you find this case. You can actually read it. Love it's it. a two, 2019 decision. So last year it came out. This uh, case is about a, an individual who suffered injuries because of a car accident back in 2011. Okay. Uh, he returned to work at some point, was injured on the job then in 2014, and hasn't been able to go back to work since. Now, there was a workers' compensation issue, etc., etc. But here's why this, the, the, this case is so interesting here. The case dealt with Desjardins' behavior towards this individual. And the court basically talked about the, the, the duty of good faith that insurance companies have in dealing with insurance, dealing with claimants. You know, we talk about this all the time. The insurance company is not your friend. They're not your neighbor. But guess what? They have a legal obligation, a legal duty mm -hmm. to treat you in good faith. Right. And oftentimes I say, and I can tell you anecdotally, other lawyers are saying that as well. We find that insurance companies in many instances do not do that. And so what happens in a case where you can prove in court that the insurance co uh, company has not acted in good faith? Well, in this case, in this case, the denial or the termination of long-term disability benefits actually resulted in significant financial distress for the individual, which is what often happens. Mm -hmm. That lost, uh, sorry, that, that led to the, to the, to, to the uh, uh, loss of their home. They actually lived in a van for a while. Uh, they had to he had to declare bankruptcy and, and a whole bunch of other things. So what do you think happened in court, John? Well, I'll tell you what happened. This person won, but he didn't just win in terms of the policy itself, the court didn't just say, you are owed these benefits. The court actually awarded $200,000 in punitive damages against the insurance company, as well as $50,000 for mental distress. So a quarter of a million dollars against the insurance company in addition to what the actual policy provides. And the court actually stated, this is a quote from the decision, the contract of insurance between an insurer and its insured is one of utmost good faith. In every insurance contract, an insurer has an implied obligation to deal with the claims by its insureds in good faith. There's many other issues, by the way, that were dealt with here. For example, the insurance company said, you got to give us objective medical evidence of disability. No, he doesn't. And the court talked about that, that the policy never called for objective medical documentation. You know, John, if you have a psychological issue or if you have pain in your back, you may not have objective records to document that. You know, if I have a headache, an MRI may not show anything, right? Well, so that it's not objective. Well, does that mean I don't have a headache? It's nonsense. And the court, you know, they hammered the insurance company on this. They also hammered the insurance company about the treatments that this person was getting. They were saying they were not appropriate. They were saying that his treatments were not optimal. Again, the, 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 the court hammered the insurance company. So you have a case here, Greg versus Desjardins, 2019 decision from the BC Supreme Court here, where the court not only awarded the individual, this person, Greg, not only did they award them uh, the benefits under the policy, but they, they hit the insurance company with a quarter million dollars of punitive damages. Wow. That's the kind of stuff that James and I talk about all the time, that if you have a really egregious situation, Trust me, we're going to go after the insurance company for a lot more than what the policy requires. So here's a case for you right there and then that you can even search it yourself online.
We'll take a short break. Get to more of uh, more of these matters as well. Reaching out is really simple. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Of course, is the phone number. You know that. And email address help at disabilityrights.ca. We'll get to some of your emails. And you want to check out the TV show again. Uh, advising you to do so. It's really cool to see uh, what we discuss on the TV show as well. That is disabilityrights.ca. You can follow that right to uh, your viewing pleasure. How about that? So we'll continue here. With lots more of the disability law show. This is Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And right back at it, Disability Law Show to reach out to Savannah or James. You know these guys. You've seen them on TV as well. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. And to see the TV show, as I just mentioned, disabilityrights.ca. Put a help at in front of disabilityrights.ca. You got yourself an email address. Uh, I want to get to more stuff that's been happening with you, uh, pal, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, what do you got for me? Here's an email that I received again. Uh, this was last week. I'm going to read that to you, and uh, we're going to talk about that because I get yep. these kinds of questions all the time. So this lady writes. She says, "Hi, I'm watching your show, so the TV show, and go. I don't know what to do. I was on short-term disability starting March 12, 2019, and then I got into LTD in July of 2019. My insurance company." and she gives us the name, which we're not going to give out, uh, has now sent me a package to apply for CPP disability and to sign forms, okay. uh, as they believe that I would qualify for that. I don't know uh, if that would be in my best interest or in their best interest. I can't go back to work. I have many medical issues, and I'm scared and nervous about what is best to do. What should I do with this? So I responded back. I'm just looking at the timestamp here. Yes, I responded back within five minutes of her emailing me this. Nice. And yeah, and and so this is a question that comes up quite often. This whole idea of CPP disability and what mm-hmm. do you do when the insurance company tells you you should apply for that? So, again, because I've been getting more and more of these questions, John, I thought it would be a good idea to just um, hash it out a bit and explain. Agreed. CPP disability is a government disability program. Okay, it's run by the federal government. So unlike long-term disability, which is run generally by private insurance companies, CPP disability is government. The test to qualify for CPP disability is different slightly than long-term disability. So in long-term disability cases, you have to demonstrate for the first two years that you are disabled from doing your own occupation. Beyond the two-year mark, again generally, the the test becomes uh, are you disabled from performing any occupation for which you're suited for by training, education, Mm -hmm. or experience. CPP disability has a different requirement. It's a two-pronged test. You have to demonstrate medically that your disability is severe and prolonged. What do these words mean? Who knows? Who knows? I mean, you know, we've had the tribunals and we've had court decisions and all that kind of stuff interpreting those words. But basically, if you have an illness or an injury that is going to go into the foreseeable future, we don't have an end date for when you're going to get better. Right. And it disables you from performing significant aspects of, of your job or any job, really. Then you should qualify for CPP disability. Now, arguably, in my opinion at least, uh, and many lawyers that I speak with, the CPP disability test is actually harder to meet than right. the LTD test. So when people ask me, should I apply for CPP disability? Actually, first of all, they ask, why is the insurance company telling me I should be applying for CPP disability? The credit. Well, the answer is really quite simple. If you get approved for CPP disability and you get 
that amount from the government, guess what? The insurance company gets a credit for that. Yep. Uh, I think the maximum now is around thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars a month that you can get for CPP disability. So let's assume it's thirteen hundred bucks a month that you've been approved for. Let's assume, John, that your LTD monthly amount that you're getting from your insurance company is uh, $2,000, okay? You're getting two grand a month for LTD, and you just got approved for CPP disability of 1300 bucks. Well, you're not gonna get, going forward, 2000 from LTD plus 1300 from the government. You're not right. gonna get $3,300. What's gonna happen is that you get 1300 from the government, and then the balance comes from the LTD. So you're yeah, still getting $2,000. It, it evens out. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so the insurance company is interested in you getting CPP disability because they're getting a credit for that. They have to pay you less. But here's why this is important. It's important to apply uh, if, in fact, you know, y- your disability is severe and prolonged. Because if you get approved for CPP disability, you know, there are multiple advantages. For example, one of the advantages is that the government approved you for disability, so it makes it a bit less likely that the insurance company at some point will cut you off. Because how would they cut you off if the government thinks you're disabled? Right. right? It doesn't mean they can't cut you off. I'm just saying it will make their position uh, more difficult uh, to cut you off. That's number one. Number two, let's say that they do cut you off LTD. Well, if they cut you off LTD, at least now you still have an income source yes. You know, while we fight the LTD insurance company. Yep. So you have, you have money coming in while we're dealing with your insurer and forcing them to come to the table. You know, so, so there are various advantages for applying for CPP disability if, in fact, you qualify for it, if you have a disability that's severe and prolonged. So don't be afraid of that. The one thing I would tell people not to do, and this is my advice that I give individuals, is I, I don't simply tell people to fork over their, their rights, their, their CPP disability rights to the insurance company. So oftentimes insurance companies will say, here, sign on the, on the dotted line and we can then communicate with CPP on your behalf. I don't like that. I want individuals to maintain uh, complete decision-making abilities and power over their relationship with CPP disability. I don't like to give too many signed authorizations to the insurance company. Again, I'm just, you know, I I don't have a good vibe when we're dealing with insurance companies, you know, when when they say, I I want you to sign an authorization allowing me to request all your your income documents, uh, your medical documents going back 10 years, uh, you know, CPP disability uh, access. I don't like that. Only give them access to what they're entitled to. And what they're entitled to is generally spelled out in the policy. And you can just use common sense as well, right? I mean, if they're asking you for an authorization, then it's likely that uh, they're asking you because they don't have a straight right to, to have you uh, uh, give that to them. In other words, they can't demand it. Right. So again, CPP disability, it's, it's definitely, you should definitely apply for it. If you are on LTD, there are multiple advantages to it. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. If uh, you're still puzzled by that, reach out, call Savan, call James, get some answers. DisabilityRights.ca. That is the website as well. And uh, as I mentioned, you can go there and find a link to the television shows. And finally, email address is help at DisabilityRights.ca. Any other questions when it has to do with uh, long-term disability? There is a great functional tool. The website PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. Check that one out as well. Completely anonymous and it's uh, it's free. Disability Law Show continues. This is Global News Radio. 
the Disability Law Show. Glad you're uh, joining with us and uh, staying with us if you're uh, if you stuck around after the break. Good stuff. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred is the phone number. Help at disabilityrights.ca. If you have any other questions, you can go to mydisabilityquestions.com. There's all kinds of ways for you to reach out to uh, Savan and his crew. Uh, carry on. You got another matter you want to talk about, right? Yes. Uh, again, a lot of interesting things uh, this week. So this yeah. is an individual here that had contacted me a while back, and I've been going back and forth answering questions. And so there was a follow-up uh, um, email from this person, and he's from the Ottawa area. So I'll, I'll read you the actual email. I won't tell you his name, but I'll read you the email, and then we can dissect uh, the question. It says, good morning. You've been quite helpful in the past. And my insurance company just contacted me to schedule a meeting with uh, a rehab specialist. They referred to the fact that I am not totally disabled. We'll get back to this in a second. My brain tumor was successfully removed but affected my sight. And I'm limited to 15 to 20 minutes of reading and I get headaches and double vision. I'm 59 years old and I build a career in sales researching and developing new leads. Reading was about 90% of my daily routine. My driving is limited and I must avoid heavy traffic due to uh, lack of peripheral vision. What can I expect from this rehab session and the two years long-term disability coming to an end this summer? So this is interesting. So we're dealing with this whole idea of the insurance company sort of projecting to this person that they're not totally disabled. Again, Remember, the term total disability is an invented term by the insurance industry. Mm -hmm. There is no legislation that says you have to be totally disabled to qualify for long-term disability. There are policies out there. If you have an LTD policy, you can look at it, and you'll see that it probably says that to qualify for LTD, you have to be totally disabled from doing your occupation or any occupation, depending on when you are in the policy. This idea of total disability, the word total is misleading, and it's misleading in my mind, or in my view at least, on purpose. Because when you know, a lay person, John, hears the word total, they are thinking 100%. So if somebody says to you, you need to be 100% disabled from working, what comes to mind, at least to me, is that I have to be paralyzed. I have to be, you know, like the late Christopher Reeves. I have to be in a coma. I have to be brain dead. Right. No, that's not what it means. That's just not the test. Even though that's what it looks like, it looks like that to confuse you. And it looks like that to confuse doctors. Do you know how many times, John, people contact me and say, my family doctor or my specialist will not say that I'm totally disabled. They agree I can't work because of my illness, but they won't say I'm totally disabled. Yeah. Because it confuses doctors. Yep. It confuses treatment specialists. It confu- Anybody who doesn't have experience dealing with long-term disability claims, they're confused by it for a reason. The reason is that it detracts and it weakens the claim, which means that the insurance company can then use that weakness to deny your claim or cut you off. So, we have an individual here. <laughs> the gentleman here had a brain tumor. I mean, of all things, you know, poor guy. And uh, it, so it's been removed, but he has all these issues that, of course, are now plaguing him. Yeah. Uh, clearly, from the documents that I had reviewed and the exchanges back and forth, he is disabled from, from working. The question is, 
is it disabled from doing any occupation for which he's suited for by training, education, and experience? If his doctors, if his treatment providers are saying he cannot work, not just in the job he had before, but in any occupation for which he is uh, uh, trained for or has experience or education, right? If he can't, here's the bottom line. If he can't go to another occupation where he earns about 60 to 65% of his pre-disability income, then he should qualify beyond that two-year mark. That's, that's, That's the issue. And... The insurance company should not be cutting him off at that two-year mark. And again, why are they cutting him at the two-year mark? Because the two-year mark, or why, sorry, why he thinks that they may be cutting him off? Because at that point, that's when insurance companies usually say, yeah, we think you're disabled, but you're not disabled enough from performing any occupation for which you're suited for. Now, he mentions here this rehab specialist. What he doesn't mention to me is whether or not it's an assessment that they want him to go uh, to to undergo or, or if treatment. It, a treatment, yeah. and this is important. I want to I want to really focus on this. Unless your policy states it explicitly, and I have yet to see a policy that says that, you have zero obligation to go for treatments with who with whatever providers the insurance company uh, tell you to go to. And that's very, very different than asking you to go to an assessment. An assessment is when you are going for, usually it's a one-time appointment with somebody on behalf of the insurance company. It could be a rehab specialist. uh, It could be an occupational therapist. It could be a doctor. But it's really for that individual not to treat you, but to assess where you are at. Are you still limited? Are you still impaired from working? To those kinds of appointments, you have to go. You have to go to those assessments. But when it comes to treatments, unless your policy says that you have to go to treatments with whoever the insurance company tells you to go to, you should absolutely not go to them. Not because those are bad people, but because be skeptical of why the insurance company wants you to go to their uh, treatment providers. You know, and again, I have seen this before where people have gone to these treatment providers that have been suggested by the insurance company only for those treatment providers down the road to provide unfavorable documentation to the individual, documentation and reports and opinions that favor the insurance company. So what do you do instead? You go to whoever you're comfortable with, go to your family doctor, get a referral to a rehab specialist, to a doctor, to whoever it is you need to, get treatments from those trusted individuals. I would not recommend that you go to a treatment provider that the insurance company has has suggested to you because I'd be concerned that there is a conflict there or at least a perceived conflict with that person being on the insurance company's preferred list of providers. And at the same time, they also are supposed to be treating you and providing opinions on whether or not you are good to go back to work. So be careful of that. So that was the answer to this individual here. And uh, I'm really hoping he's not going to get cut off at the two-year mark if he can't do any other work. Uh, but I, I have no doubt, uh, John, that even in cases we're dealing with brain tumors, insurance companies have taken ludicrous positions in the past. Right. If that happens here, trust me, we will step up and we will force the insurance company to pay him what he's owed. Going to give you the numbers. We go into a short break. Here, we got more to come. It's one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Help at disabilityrights.ca. Disabilityrights.ca. The website is a place to catch uh, links to our television show, past radio shows as well. Lots more on the way. This is the Disability Law Show on Global News Radio. The following is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. 
Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto. And welcome back to the Disability Law Show. Savannah in studio again, uh, taking your your questions here. The uh, phone number, by the way, if you want to reach out when we're not on air, well, 1-855-821-5900, help at disabilityrights.ca. You know, last time you were talking about insurance companies and wanting to get you back to work with, uh, you know, a job that you're capable of, you know, through education or experience. You mentioned commensurate income, which is about 60 to 65%. Will they just gloss over that anyway and give you a bunch of uh, jobs you could possibly do and kind of ignore maybe that commensurate, uh, commensurate income part? Yeah, that's an excellent, excellent <laughs> question. So, so what, what what they will uh, in many instances do? They will have you seen or assessed um, by some kind of a, of a provider or an assessor that right. uh, w- w- will produce a, a, a transferable skills assessment. Mm-hmm. That's an example of something that they may produce. It's a report uh, that talks about what kind of skills do you have that could be transferable, right? So, you know, from that they will derive other types of jobs that you can do. Okay. And John, I have seen everything you can imagine. I mean, I've seen people in you know uh, uh, high six-figure type positions being told that they have to go and do a job on a farm somewhere. You know, that, right. that pays them thirty thousand dollars a year. Nothing wrong with that job, but that's not the test. No. If you're a doctor, you know, uh, the question of whether you can do another occupation for which you're suited for does not mean you go work at a Starbucks. Nothing wrong with working at a Starbucks. But that's not the test. The test is, are you disabled from performing any occupation? And then the next part is important, for which you are suited for by training, education, or experience. And oftentimes, they will give you 10, 15 jobs that they think you can do. And then they'll tell you, because we've identified those jobs, you no longer qualify beyond the two-year mark. And that's usually when I get people calling me and emailing me and saying, but wait a second, that's absolute nonsense. I can't do any of those jobs. It's ridiculous. You know, I see this a lot with mental health type of illnesses. Listen, if you're in bed because of your depression every day, you know, for 90% of the day, then it doesn't matter what jobs they give you. You will not be able to perform it, right? Yeah. So, so very important to understand that the fact that they've come up with all these other jobs that they say you can do does not automatically import uh, a requirement for you to go and do those. Now, if you can do one of those jobs, by all means, do them. If you can earn that 60 65% of pre-disability income, well, then you don't qualify beyond the two-year mark. I mean, that's, that's the reality. I have no issue with that. I just want to make sure that people understand that the fact that they've identified all these other jobs, if you truly believe you cannot do any of those and your doctors agree with you, and they've written to the insurance company saying that you cannot do these occupations, uh, then no, they should be paying you beyond the two-year mark. And if they say that they are not going to, well, this is where we come in and we force them to pay you. one 821 5900 is the way to reach out through phone call. You want to go to mydisabilityquestions.com to ask some questions there uh, there as well. Okay, continue on. What else you got, pal? Still got some time All right. left? Yeah, yeah. I, so I have a question here that was posted to mydisabilityquestions.com, the website you've mentioned. This one comes from uh, Kenneth. Uh, so let me read you the question and then we'll talk about it. I am 60 years old on long-term disability. I'm insured for up to 75% of my wages. By the way, that's that's a high amount actually. Yeah, Usually no it's kidding. about 60, 66%. Anyways, he writes, I would like to start a small business and I would like to approach my insurance company for a buyout or fully retire from my company to help finance this venture. How do I approach them, and would they continue topping up my income if I retire? 
Let me start off by saying that if you can go back to work or start a business or whatever, you should not be on LTD, okay? It infuriates me when people are trying to get something for nothing, okay? As much as I go down and, and, and hard on insurance companies, you know, there are individuals out there who just don't get it. LTD is there to help you if you are injured or if you're ill. If you've recovered, go back to work. Yeah. You want to start a business? Start a business. The insurance company should not be financing you for that. No kidding. It's just, that's wrong. It's just wrong. And, and again, it makes me angry on the other side when I have people who are milking the system. Because you know what? Guess what? That then gives ammunition to the insurance industry to say, look at all this fraud that is happening. Yeah. We've heard this, by the way, with car accident victims. Big time. And I'm telling you, as someone who used to work for insurance companies, I would get my share of individuals who would come through the door that within 10 seconds of speaking with them, I, I would, you know, so sort of suss out the fact that it's nonsense. They're trying to get something for nothing. And it doesn't help that there are a lot of lawyers out there with zero credibility that, by the way, the insurance companies know about that are doing the same thing and they're propagating yeah. this thing. So if you can work, if you can do your own business, if, mm -hmm. you are, if you should not be on LTD, please get off LTD. Okay? Now, to Kenneth's uh, question here. I have had people contact me as well saying, I would like to approach my LTD insurer for a buyout. Very bad idea. So first of all, if you're approaching them for a buyout because you can work, forget about it. You should just uh, go back to work. But let's say you're thinking to yourself, I don't want to have to continue giving the medical reports. You know, I'm, I'm 60 years old and I only have five years left on my policy. Why don't they just cut me a check for the whole thing? Well, because they don't have to. That's right. They don't have to cut you a check for that. And I'll tell you, I'll tell you something else. Just put yourself in the shoes of the insurance company. You're adjudicating a claim and the individual is coming to you saying, I want a buyout. What's the first thing that goes through your mind? They don't need it. Yeah, and and you're thinking to yourself, there is a reason why they're asking yeah. for a buyout. So now, now potentially, you've raised some flags. Your claim will go under a microscope, and guess yeah. what? That might end up with you getting cut off LTD. So be yeah. very careful. Be very careful on how you approach the insurance company asking for a buyout, because somebody who's very very disabled, generally those individuals don't ask for buyouts. They just want to have their LTD go on for as long as possible. Yeah. So, you know, th this is something you really need to understand and be very careful of because once you do that, the insurance company is going to be on you. And, and then even if your disability is legitimate, you're going to be in for potentially a world of pain. So don't do that. But again, if unjustifiably you've been denied or cut off LTD, you should be calling us. You should be emailing yeah. us. You should be just speaking with us. It will cost you nothing to get this advice. Good way to wrap it up, my friend, and we'll do that uh, for now. You want to reach out to Savannah or James and the crew, it's one 821 5900 The website, once again, to uh, catch more information and past television shows and radio shows as well, by, by the way, disabilityrights.ca. Help at disability, uh, disabilityrights.ca will put you in touch with some email. Uh, back and forth, answered rather quickly from Savannah and his team. He makes sure of it. And you want to ask some questions on the other side, it's mydisabilityquestions.com. And there is a section on the pocketemploymentlawyer.ca website that deals with disability. So you got some time, check that out as well. It's free and completely anonymous. Till next time, the Disability Law Show right here, Global News Radio. The preceding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of the advertiser. 
Opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of Global News Radio 640 Toronto.